Alright guys, cool day for me. I got to hang out with Jesse uh, Hartnett. And then we will have uh, somebody writing into me right now. Sorry about that. Uh, and hopefully we'll have... Let me just turn the volume so I can turn the volume down on that. Let's see. Cool. Um, so we will have a video coming up with him. We'll post when that's going to be and all that jazz. And we'll probably make an event where he'll come in and we'll be doing some talking. You guys can post questions. He's got some cool stuff to talk about. Uh, but I'm going to answer some group questions and one that I had that I deleted the post, but uh, it was how to pick spots, how to sit, what to look for. This is a big topic of conversation. Um, we are going to have a real good quality video coming out of the next two-day class. As uh, some of you know that I've hired a full-time videographer, so we can make sure I get you really good content. You'll see actually the videos are getting qu more quality. We have some cool stuff happening. Um, so she will be with me, and we'll be having some good stuff where Hopefully, if I can't clarify some things at a very micro level, some of these videos will help you guys at a macro level or larger scale. Um, picking areas and locations. Really, it depends, and I'm going to give you a real brief answer on this. It just depends what you have to work with. There are guys who work in, and girls who work in smaller towns um, where they don't have much to choose from. Kind of knowing, let's think about this. If you know drugs are being sold into your town, are in, inside your town, they're coming from somewhere. More than likely, they're coming in on main <clears throat> roadways, whether it's an interstate or a county roadway. So some guys say, well, we don't have an interstate or we have the interstate, we can't work it. If you have an interstate and you can work it, I would tell you, or a main highway and you can work it, that's where I would focus my attention. Uh, if you don't, but maybe you have an off-ramp in your town, like an exit ramp from that place or or anything along that line, so you just got to think about what do you have that you can work with. Uh, some of the guys from South Dakota have reached out to me like, hey, man, you know, I don't have much to work with. Uh, literally, there's nothing here. And I'm like, that's a problem. You know, I, I can't I can't change or adjust that. But there's different types of tactics. Uh, I had guys that I worked with that literally rode up and down highways uh, other, who were very effective interdictors. There are people who patrolled neighborhoods who are very good interdictors. And that's really that parked car kind of thing. I would tell you that uh, and I'll put a video up from National Geographic. I would tell you that patrolling if you have um parking lots of commercial properties and like big lot stores really good interdiction to do there hotels really there's all different ways now the, the, the ways i discuss it aren't the only ways that i've ever done it it's just that that's where i try to create something for everybody to start with so really just think about where's your highest volume of cars to choose from you must think like a criminal to catch criminals. You cannot think like a cop to catch criminals. Problem is everybody's thinking like a cop. You need to stop and think like a criminal. How would I do this? Where do the cops sit? Um, how do I avoid them? What am I going to do? And you may find that you're going to be able to pick a lot more people off. Uh, but those main, main roadways where you have a lot to choose from those funnels, this is ultimately if you're going to sit and do stationary traffic and watch traffic. Now, remember, you must park your vehicle facing so you can see. What I ideally like to see you do is Depending on what you got, if you got somebody coming around the bend like this, and when they see you, then they'll have the reactions to you. If you have maybe people at the top of the hill, as they see you, they'll begin to have the reaction at the top of the hill. And we'll talk more about that in the videos I'm going to show from the class. Uh, and you want to see kind of as they pass, you want to have your car like pointed at them. You see, I'm going to I'm going to try to put some of my videos up so you guys can watch how my car was positioned. Uh, never head on like this, but at an angle. And as cars pass this way, I could look inside the car. And again... 
this wasn't based on race, color, creed, or religion. Give a shit what color you are. Everybody's going to have reactions to the presence when they're engaged in criminal activity for the most part. And it could be a subtle reaction. It could be a very dramatic reaction. Uh, and it could be something as simple as a suspended DL uh, to a maybe a traffic warrant to something as, as big as having 30 kilos of cocaine loaded in the, in the car. Uh, and you'll be able to pick this out really out of any vehicles. Don't don't start looking at cars and thinking, oh, they're dropped and they have loud mufflers. They must be drug cars. Or a typical cop thing is like, well, what do you look for? Tinted windows? No, we don't look for tinted windows. There's just a science and a formula to it. People have kind of been, uh, you know, have said to me in the past, oh, like, does this stuff really work? Of course it works. Like, of course. What do you think? Everybody who has interdiction success just goes out. There's not a science to it. So there is a science to it. We'll have to try to have more videos on that for you guys. Hope that's a little something that you can take out. And just my advice to you is think outside the box. Think where you're going with this thought when you're patrolling around tonight, hey, where should I sit? What's a good place? Are there neighborhoods I should patrol? What should I be looking for? Are there Title 39 violations or motor vehicle violations for parked cars? Can I enforce them? When can I enforce them? What can I do? There's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, and again, I'm a foundational. I can't give you every single thought uh, surrounding police work. You can build off the foundation that I give you guys. Uh, and then in the, we had a previous post a couple days ago, uh, and some people posed some questions I never got to. I'm going to go to them now. Uh, I think I didn't get this one. So this is from uh, did Mark get this one? Okay, we get to that one. Let's see. Two other plates. I think I answered this one, but I'm going to jump into it anyway. All right. So it is from Keith Henry. You make an arrest for being an unlicensed driver because the operator is a foreign national with no DL. I think I answered this. At what point do we release them after fingerprinting or, or just release an ROI and doesn't have warrants? Um, and it's like, why would you lock up for 310? Look, the bottom line is, is you're arresting somebody uh, and you believe that they are, you know, unlicensed and possibly have warrants. You would fingerprint them and I would wait for your fingerprint results to return. If you have a problem or you're not getting results back, you can call the state police fingerprint identification bureau and if they have a lot of people maybe it's like a saturday afternoon a lot of people get processed and they're they're reviewing all of these fingerprints and they're going to send you back your report i would call them and say hey it's officer so-and-so from this police department we have this guy we don't know who he is can you put the fingerprints at the forefront and usually they will they'll say yeah no problem like hey we don't know who he is we just need to start doing the paperwork and typing up complaints can you please check his fingerprints first i will have you know that the state police you must be careful and be wise to the fact that if you're not getting results, somebody may not be there, especially from 12 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock in the morning. Surprisingly enough, that's the budget they cut, people we need. Uh, so just don't be disappointed or just you got to hold on to folks. When in doubt, call for a, call for a judge. That's it. You know, like when in doubt, like what do we do with him now? We can't get rid Call a judge. Let a judge know what you got going on, see what he wants to do and how he wants to proceed with holding this guy. Don't let it rely on your shoulders or your call and later find out that you screwed up. Okay. And then questions you're allowed to ask an MV stop. Uh, what can't you ask without RFs? That's from uh, Kobe Brueger. Um, there is quite a bit of case law on what you can and can't ask on motor vehicle stops. And I'm going to bring up some of that case law because I didn't even know that it was on there. Um, let's see. Question. Find what I got here for you guys. So we can check out State versus Chapman. And Chapman goes a little something like this. May have... You may request a, drive, a motorist drive credentials. You should advise the motorist of the reason for the stop. You don't have to. You may run a computer check, and you may ask questions reasonably related to the reason for the stop. 
Inconsistent or contradictory answers provided by the vehicle's occupants may then permit an officer to broaden the inquiry and ask more intrusive questions designed to confirm or dispel suspicious suspicions of criminal activity. Now, when they, in Chapman, when they're regarding a motor vehicle stop, they're talking about a violation of a motor vehicle law, not reasonable suspicion as it happens a million miles down the road or when they see you, you built all this stuff up to this point. If you have reasonable suspicion from the get-go, you can ask a lot more questions. This is like, literally, you're running radar. The guy hits 41 into 25. You pull him over. And then you're like, okay, what? Well, I didn't suspect anything in this car. This is just a typical stop. I can ask him a few questions. The idea is you want the idea in that circumstance, which you guys shouldn't be doing that. That's really absolutely silly to be just looking for uh, motor vehicle violations to start an interview on just anybody who has who's committed a violation. Remember, a pretextual stop is this. You identify the car based on the behaviors when they cite you as a law enforcement officer. Then you find a violation to stop them on, and then you will go into your questioning at this point. You probably have a lot of reasonable suspicion up to that at that point. That's a pretextual stop. It may sound crazy, but it's completely 100% legal. And if it wasn't, we have no interdiction because that's exactly how it's done by every interdiction officer. Uh, or some, somebody like TJ Cohen from Trap Find, he literally looks for traps on cars. That's what he does. He just knows how to spot traps as they're passing by him. He's just that good. But for the rest of us uh, who, were, who weren't blessed by Jesus, I teach my boys why I'm saying that, um, you can... You can really, you're going to have to do pretextual stops. You're going to have to get comfortable with them. That's just it. It's just how it's done. You just can't be running radar that you're going to trip and fall over some crime. There's a reason that I was able to go out and myself and other officers as well. And within one, two, three car stops have, have arrests because there's a science to it. Okay. Uh, State versus Hickman, 2000. The question posed in this case by the officer was, you look really nervous. Do you have any, do you have anything on you? that you should surrender right now. Any contraband, weapons, anything like that. And that was good. The defendant admitted to it, handed over a bag of paid from his shoe. When the police lawfully conduct a motor vehicle stop, they may question the occupants, even on a subject unrelated to the purpose of the stop, without violating the Fourth Amendment, so long as the questioning does not extend the duration of the stop. And again, when they're talking about duration of the stop, they're talking about when you don't have reasonable suspicion. Once you develop reasonable suspicion, different world. They're talking about typical traffic violations. Don't get confused on that. Roadside can... Questioning of a motorist is not is uh, sorry is not transformed into custodial interrogation that must be preceded by Miranda warning simply because a police officer's questioning is accusatory in nature or designed to elicit incriminating evidence. That's State v. Hickman. According to the court, the brief questioning of the defendant after the lawful motor vehicle stop of the car in which he was the passenger was perfectly valid. Now I will tell you this: if you are going to get somebody, and you're look, looking to design uh, a question to elicit. Uh, or designed to elicit incriminating statements, and you have the odor of marijuana, currently at this state in New Jersey, uh, you can, and I don't mean to sound cliche by saying state, wasn't pun, no pun intended, um, you probably want to read Miranda to somebody who smells, or a car smells like marijuana, especially the driver, because they can be arrested for marijuana smell only as a 3510 uh, right? Uh, also, in Berkhamir, the court held that a police officer was not required to give Miranda warnings to a suspected drunk driver before asking him whether he had been using intoxicants. State v. Toro, 1988, we held that a police officer's observed package at the foot of a driver stopped for a motor vehicle fence, which they suspected was container for drugs, could ask what was in the package without giving Miranda warnings. Although the police officer in Toro ordered the driver out of the car and frisked him for weapons before questioning him, we concluded the questioning was not custodial. Uh, State v. Hickman continued, a traffic stop is presumptively 
temporary and brief and thus questioning incident to an ordinary traffic stop is quite different from station house interrogation. Miranda warnings may be needed, however, if the totality of the circumstances surrounding the, uh, the stop impose a restraint on freedom of movement of the degree associated with a formal arrest. And what they mean by that is like handcuffs in the back of the police car. That's more of a formal arrest. However, this changed when you do smell the odor of marijuana. Um, and State versus Letman, again, 1989, allows an officer after discovery of contraband to read defendants to Miranda rights. So um, let's see. So that's that's that explanation. I'll put all that verbiage in there in those cases that we reference. If you guys have questions, you want answers here. If you want to go live, if anybody wants to uh, be a part of the video, let me know, man. We can we can have I have tons of content. I got hundreds and hundreds of cases we can discuss. But uh, and invite your friends to the group. Guys, like the more people we get, the better it's going to be. And we'll have more input. Whatever I can do for you, just feel free to invite your friends. We actually see that they that you invited them. We just approve them right away. 